Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Command Space on 5x5. My name is Mike Hurley and I'm your host. And today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Lauren Brichter. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you, sir. Pleasure. So, Lauren, um, who are you and what do you like to be known for? Oh, that's a good question. I guess I, I make software. Um, I've been doing it for years now. Just nice, nice and concise. Yeah. So what, what is your background, Lauren? How did you get into, de- into development? Um, probably in junior high school, I started programming um, with a language called Logo, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Is that and the one the- with the turtle? Yeah, it's the one with the turtle. I made some, some crazy stuff. I made a, a 3D engine. I made a, like an arcade like explosion spaceship game. So, tons of fun stuff. And then from there, I kind of got into lower levels, you know, C and C++ and graphics programming and all that. So did you go to, to school for development? Like, did you go, did you do computer science? Uh, in college, I actually started electrical engineering. I, I got a minor in computer science because it was, it was kind of a freebie, and I had already taken the classes. Um, but yeah, no, my focus was more on the, on the hardware stuff in school. So hardware was your, your sort of first love, as it was. So what, what brought you into software development then? Uh, I mean, it was just so much easier in comparison. <laughs> you know, the, the turnaround time on hardware is... It's a, it's slow. Software. I mean, you can dream something up and have something built in in an hour. Yeah, that doesn't work that way with software. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry, with hardware. hardware. Sorry, I get yeah. you work. You probably start in software these days as well. When you're making something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You simulate it. So, I mean, I I, I understand you worked at Apple. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. When did you start working at Apple? Uh, right after I graduated school, I went to work uh, on the gra- like the mobile graphics and imaging team uh, for the original iPhone. See, so when did what what year was that? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, that was two thousand six. Okay, so it was obviously before the release of the of the original iPhone. Yeah, it was still super secret. So, how did you get that job? I don't know. Um, I applied while I was still in school, and I got an interview. Um, and I, I guess it went pretty well. And they, I think Apple was deciding where to, where to, like, what team to put me on for a while. And I, I probably just got lucky with, uh, with the iPhone placement. I can only imagine that, like, when you get told, like, okay, so here's this thing that you're going to work on. You have to sign this massive contract <laughs> to say you're never going to talk about it. And let's show us, let's tell you what we've got. Let's show it to you. It must be a kind of a mind blowing sort of situation to be in. Yeah, and you know, I'm like 18 years old. I mean, yeah, my, my mind was blown. Were you a fan of Apple products before you went to work for the company? Oh, yeah, huge fan. I, I taught myself programming on a, on a little clamshell baby blue, uh, what were they called? Not PowerBooks. Uh, iBook? iBooks, yeah. I can't even remember the name, yeah. So it must have been like, you know, if you, if you were a lover of the products, you must have seen the rumors, like the iPhone rumors, and then you go to Apple, and then you're working on the product. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally had an inkling when they, when they sat me down in the room. Um, yeah, it was exciting. So what, what, was, what did your job entail? Like, what sort of stuff were you creating for the iPhone? Um, yeah, no, I, I, was a, I was a super junior engineer when I was there, um, and my job was on mobile graphics and imaging, so it's basically the lowest level of software on like on, in the graphics stack on the iPhone, um, so we basically wrote the software right on that sits right on top of the the GPU, 
that you know like interprets and like sends the graphics commands. And uh, you know, a lot of our job was a lot of my job was like finding bugs in the graphics hardware because you know this is this is brand new hardware. Um, it wasn't really in anything yet, so we were you know writing drivers to work around hardware bugs and like sending the bugs back to imagination, and they were fixing the hardware, and we, we were getting like new revs of uh, yeah. No, it was super low level. But I mean, you know, th that was fun. But like in my spare time, I worked on some high level, just fun stuff. Was that outside of Apple? No, it was in Apple. You know, like, you know, just like little graphics effects. You know, like I worked on the, the old cover flow and the page curl animation and the camera iris animation. You know, like oh, wow. stuff like that. So real sort of um, stuff that we see every day, like those nice little details. Yeah, I, I think iOS 7 is the first OS that won't have any of my stuff in it. <laughs> you got to well, we'll get to that in a minute actually because yeah. it, it kind of does, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Okay, um, that's true. So when you were working, you know, at this time, so you, you in in sort of 2006, 2007 leading up to the release of the iPhone, in the teams that you were working in, there must have been a real atmosphere like of this thing that's coming i mean you're so deep within it and working on this new product what was that sort of atmosphere like was it a good thing was it extremely pressured or, you know i assume those two things were happening but what did they go hand in hand yeah no it, they totally went hand in hand it was it was a combination of excitement and crazy crazy pressure uh, long hours yeah <laughs> i bet yeah, missed, missed holidays all that so when you guys were working on the products at the time, like when you were working on, on the iPhone, um, did you have any idea or any sort of inkling as to how big it would become? Um, I mean, I, I, my, my memory may be polluted um, in hindsight, but I, like, I feel like we all kind of knew that this was a big deal. I mean, it, it, was, it was nothing like anything that had come before. And, you know, for a really long time, we weren't working with final hardware. We were working with these, yeah. like, massive you know, basically development boards. So we didn't, we didn't even see how small it was going to be until like right to the end. So, I mean, when we saw that, it was, it was, that was another mind blowing thing. Did you get the opportunity to work on the phone before it was unveiled? Yeah. Yeah. I was there in two, th oh, on a, yeah, we, we got DVT devices a few months before they were unveiled. I can imagine people just running around, like just yeah. hit them in the air. Like it must have been because I remember, like it was just, for me, um, the iPhone. I was getting into technology in a big way a couple of years leading up to that. So I was into Apple products and I owned iPods and, and iMacs and stuff. But the iPhone really was that product like of maybe of my generation where it was like everything changes now after this point and, and nobody ever seen anything um, like that. And I don't think even since there's been a product that has been like the iPhone. So, I mean, to I guess when you look over your career, when you retire in, in many years to come, this will be one of those things, right? You can be like, I, I helped start this. I mean, that must be a great feeling. I'm, it's it's an incredible feeling. I mean, I, I feel incredibly lucky to have had the opportunity to work on it. And I guess as well, because of maybe it's part of your character, but to do the things that are outside of your role, you got to influence many other parts of the of the OS as well. You know, like you weren't just working on the stuff that nobody saw, as important as that is, but you also got to work on the bits that people would see every day. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- I, honestly, I found that stuff more fun, even though it wasn't technically part of my job description. I think that that, and we'll, we'll talk about your the, the apps that you've released since, I think that that shows in the products that you've created. That the, the little details are quite important to you. So did you go um, straight from Apple to to developing Tweety or did you work on anything else in between? Did you start developing Tweety when you were at Apple? Um, no, that, that stuff was all totally separate. When, when I left Apple, I would just kind of, what did I do? Yeah, w- when I left Apple, I decided to release a little Mac app called Scribbles. And you got to understand, this was before, you know, the iPhone was out, but there was no such thing as an app store. So I didn't even have the option of writing, you know, an iPhone app. Um, I knew I, I would want to eventually if Apple ever did the App Store thing, but you know the Mac was really the only you know target platform that I could I could hit. So I, I wrote a small drawing app called Scribbles that kind of kept me alive, but just barely for a year. I, I'm not familiar with it. I'm, tr- I'm trying to find it on the internet now. Oh, there you go, Scribbles, simple intuitive drawing for Mac. I found a review on uh, Mac App Storm, which I'll put in the show notes so people can find it. <laughs> 5x5.tv slash cmdspace slash 62. Because I'm not familiar with this with this application. Yeah, no, it was very small, and it was back in you know, 2007, 2008-ish. Um, but, you know, it, it sold enough copies to, to keep me afloat. And then you went on from this to Tweety, right? Yeah, then the App Store came out, and I figured... Um, you know, it may, might make sense for me to try my hand at writing an iPhone app. And I had never written an iPhone app even when I was at Apple. You know, my, my job was, was all lower level. So it was it was totally new experience for me. So I want to get on to talking about Tweety, but before we do that, I just want to take a quick break uh, to talk about one of our sponsors for this week, and that is Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio for a free trial. And 20% off during the month of September, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO9. So let me tell you some stuff that I love about Squarespace. They're constantly doing new work to add new features, designs, and make their support even greater over at Squarespace. The beautiful designs that you can start with have loads of great style options. So you can really tweak and create and craft your own space online. For you, your business, just about any web project you want to create, Squarespace can give you all of the tools that you need. You start off by selecting one of their 20 highly customizable templates, which have won numerous design awards from prestigious institutions like the Webbies and Forbes. And once you've picked the designs and you've tweaked it and you've chosen the fonts and colors that you like, you can just set up pages really easy. They have a WYSIWYG page building tool, so you can just drag and drop types of functionality onto your page and set up something that looks fantastic. It's really, really easy to use, but they have an amazing support team that work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's over 70 Squarespace employees that are on their customer care team based in New York City. They've won awards too, of course, because Squarespace is award-winning across the board. It just shows how great their work is. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. I love the way that it looks, and Squarespace does look fantastic on the outside, but what's also amazing is that all their code beneath is also beautiful too. They take as much pride in their back-end code as they do their front-end design. And this ensures that your site is going to look fantastic everywhere, but also it can be crawled by Google, Yahoo, Bing, and all the other search engines to make sure that people can find your content as well, which is also really important. And they take care of all the nasty stuff like hosting so you don't have to. So go sign up for a free trial now, no credit card needed to start building your website. And when you decide to sign up, 
to Squarespace, make sure you use the offer code TALLYHO9, that's T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number 9, and you're going to get 20% off throughout September. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of Command Space and all of 5x5. They give you everything that you need to create an exceptional website. So Lauren, Tweety One was released in November of 2008, um, and it received a lot of praise at the time for being um, a, a fully featured Twitter client to the point that was then, but it also added a lot of new functionality that hadn't previously been seen in a Twitter client. Now, I'm testing my memory on this one. Yeah. My memory tells me that it was that some of the stuff that was in Tweety One that we hadn't seen before was things like offline caching and saving the state of your timeline. Is that right? Um, actually, I don't even think the, the 1.0 of Tweety One saved your, the state of your timeline. I, I honestly can't remember it either. Um, <laughs> I, I might have added that in a 1.1 or a 1.2. Because I remember the like some of the promo stuff was like, and it will even remember your, like when you're on a flight. Oh, you know what it did? It remembered your scroll position. So it didn't it. start you at the very beginning. That's it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Um, how much of a Twitter user were you? I mean, were you a heavy user, hence why you wanted to build the app? Uh, not really. I, I started. I tried Twitter once when it you know launched in two thousand six, and I didn't get it. And then I tried it again in two thousand seven, and you know, kind of stuck. Um, and then I started using Twitterific on the Mac, and that's when like things actually started clicking for me. Yeah, I think you follow the same sort of path as many people, like myself. Yeah. I yeah. went away for many years and then came back once the app started to develop, with it be developed. Yeah, no. If it wasn't for Twitterific, I don't think I ever would have, you know, really used Twitter. So why did you decide you wanted to build a Twitter app and not say like an RSS app or something? What was it about Twitter specifically that was the right thing for you at the time? Um, I, it, I think it was a combination of two things. One, I wanted to get my feet wet on the iPhone. You know, I figured, you know, hey, let, let me make a quick little app and like see what this whole app store thing is all about. Um, and like, I, I figured, you know, it'd be a one-off, and then I would, you know, go and do like the next couple things. And the other, the other reason was, I, like, there, there were no real Twitter apps on the iPhone that I, that I loved. You know, there were a handful out there, but, you know, none really clicked for me. So you just thought, I'll just make my own. Yeah, basically. <laughs> That'll be easier. Let me just go and do it. Um, my understanding is, I mean, I don't really know an, an awful lot about um, development. I've never really developed anything myself. Um, was that the Twitter API is, is, was quite uh, easy to build from? The API was... Uh, I, I would call it too simple, like simple to the point of being painful. And it was, all, all, I mean, at the time, the service like just didn't stay up. So I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was a pretty gnarly target to, to build software around. So when it came to, to looking at developing something like Tweety, how did you decide the sorts of features that you wanted to create? So like some of the newer stuff that you built into the app, was it just through your own daily usage and like to scratch itches that you had? Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. For some reason, it just seemed really obvious what should be in a Twitter client. You know, it's like your timeline, your mentions, your messages, and then, you know, your favorite stuff, your reply to stuff, like the, the basics. And then on top of that, um, you know, stuff like saving to Instapaper. I don't, I don't even think saving to Instapaper was my idea. Um, I can't remember. I, I, John Gruber may have, like, proposed that first, and then I ended up building it in. Why do you think that Tweety was met with such great reception? Mm, I don't know. Maybe it, it, it hit this like perfect middle ground. You know, it wasn't overflowing with like power user features, but it also wasn't so dumbed down that you couldn't do anything cool with it. You know, it like 
it had just the right amount of complexity and ordered in such a way that it was like really easily accessible. You know, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's just like, it just found a sweet spot. It's quite interesting to look back at the way that the app looked and to look at apps of similar ilk now because I remember one of the things that it was heralded for was because it looked like it fit right in on the iPhone. Sure. But these days, that's not really what developers aim for or what customers want. And I find that quite interesting how that's changed. Now we want things that look totally different or they look like they're at home but don't follow some of the style conventions like if you look at an app like tweetbot which is totally custom or you look at like twitterific which has the sort of base aesthetic as ios 7 but it doesn't look like the os so yeah, and i mean I, like but from what you were saying like I, honestly i think the interesting thing about that is is it, it, it could be cyclic you know in, in the beginning you really wanted to follow apple's guidelines because i mean apple knew better than anyone you know what what a mobile app should be like you know you want you wanted to learn from them and like i think as developers kind of learned they you know took it a step further but now now we're seeing like a reversal you know yeah. apple's like taking another step forward and you know the rest of the world's got to catch up before they can go and do new stuff yeah i guess what we're going to see now as ios 7 is being released is i guess people want iOS 7 looking applications and if something doesn't have that look then it's going to look out of place so yeah maybe we're we've come to the end of that aesthetic and then we're going to build from it again and then maybe iOS 10 will have another new look and we'll want that one sure yeah I mean yeah you, you got to know the rules before you can break the rules and I think developers need to learn the new rules first so over its history um, Tweety featured a few pioneering features um, that weren't just pioneering for Twitter applications, but for all of the app stores. So um, something like Pull to Refresh, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, you had like the ability to swipe tweets to show like actions. You'd swipe to the left or swipe to the right, and you'd bring up more like another menu, yep. um, which was like sort of hidden underneath the tweet. Um, and also charging for app updates via a new app. So Tweety 1 to Tweety 2, they were separate applications. Yeah, I'm surprised that's still an issue. It's weird that that's still something that you have to do, right? I guess when you thought that you did that at the time, oh, I'm sure they'll come up with upgrade pricing <laughs> at some point, yeah. but yeah, not the case. Um, no. Pull to refresh. Where did this idea come from? Um, I, yeah, no, Tweety One. So Tweety One had this uh, this interesting problem. It was uh, the first Twitter app that allowed you to have like multiple accounts in a sane kind of way. You know, where, you know, in the upper left of the screen, there was a back arrow and you can go back to the accounts list and then you can tap on an account and slide forward to your account. You know, it was like, that's the obvious way to do accounts. So in the upper left of the nav bar, there was the accounts back button and the upper right was the new tweet button. So, you know, there was really no place to put a refresh button, you know, that like I was, I was out of luck. So I had in Tweety one, I had to come up with a, like I had to come up with a place to put a refresh button. And what I ended up doing was putting the refresh button at the top of your list of tweets. So when you scroll to the top of the list, there would just be a refresh button in there and you tapped it and that was it. For Tweety 2, basically I was like, all right, rather than scrolling to the top of a list, lifting your finger, tapping the button, waiting for it to reload, why not just like make scrolling itself do the refresh when you got to the top of the list? You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it seems pretty simple. And then, you know, the other side of it is you actually need to tell users that that's what's going on. You can't just do it behind the scenes blindly. So you had to have some kind of indicator that's like, hey, pull down a little bit more. Oh, lift your finger. Okay, now we're refreshing. So, I don't know, that's kind of where it came from. 
So this was one of those features that it was like, as you say, it was a simple thing, but it everyone was like, whoa, obviously this is how it should be. You know, like it's one of those things and once you're shown, you're like, well, this makes perfect sense. Why has this not been done before? Because it, and all of the real great sort of advancements in this space are like that. Um, but how does it feel to have something be adopted not by just all, all developers, but <laughs> also made as part of the OS by Apple? They adopted what you created and brought it back into the OS. How does that feel? That's a bit sort of full circle, right? Yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely weird how like it, I mean, it just it caught on like wildfire. It was it was nuts. I like I, I couldn't help get the impression that Apple kind of added it to iOS grudgingly. I don't I don't know if that was just me or I don't know because it seemed like they waited a really long time yeah. and like every other app in the universe was using it. Yeah, they could have added it a lot sooner. Really, I think it was like, oh, I guess we'll add it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm sh- assuming you've seen iOS seven. Um, yeah. Have you seen the new animation at the portal refresh in iOS seven? Uh. Is it? It's just the activity spinner, like dot dot dot, right? Yeah, and it get depending on how fast you pull down, like it has momentum and it will speed up or slow down. Oh, I didn't notice that. And I just wonder how. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like Apple's animation in the first version. I, I wonder if you have a preference. Um, I, I mean, I I kind of like the the original booger, but <laughs> I, yeah, was, I, I, I was avoiding it in case you didn't want to say it. But yes, that was what a lot of people compared it to. Yeah, no, I thought it was cute. And you also, with Pull to Refresh, you have your name on a patent. Mm-hmm. What's that? What does that feel like? Um, well, I mean, I, I had some patents from Apple also, but this is okay. my first personal one. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed like it, it, it was the kind of thing that made sense to patent. Not for, like, not because I'm going to go out and become a patent troll, just because it, like, the way I see it, like, I, I don't necessarily want to be a tiny company forever. And, it makes like it seems like if you want to be a big company, you need to have a couple, you know, bullets in you know a magazine somewhere just just in case. So I don't know. It was it was pretty much for defensive purposes. And does do you do you own that patent now, or does Twitter own it? No, Twitter Twitter got the patent in uh, when I, when I sold my company to them. But it was it, you know I, like there were plenty of clauses in there, and it. Our, I, I don't know how much I can talk about the original agreement, but it, a part of the original agreement actually got made public with the, uh, the IP, Twitter's IPA, which is basically they can't use it for offensive purposes either unless they get my written permission. So they, they can basically only use it for defensive purposes also. Yeah, because they'd said that a while ago, didn't they, that they would use it only for, as a defensive pattern and they wouldn't go after anybody that used it. Yeah, I remember yeah and it's, it's always been like that, but it's, 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 a, it's officially public as of... When did the IPA launch? Uh, a few months ago, probably. Right. So, w- looking at Tweety, Tweety One and Tweety Two, I think it's fair to say that you kind of you changed the course of how apps are uh, developed with some functionality, but also with the way that they're sold. Because you know, a big application, you went and did the brand new app thing, which many people are still doing to this day, and will be doing over the course of um, iOS seven releases. Thinking back, is there anything that you maybe would have done a little differently, or anything you know, good or bad? Um, no, I mean, I got a lot of flack for releasing as an update, but honestly, I couldn't. I, I think it was the right move. You know, it was, it's not like it had anything to do with the original. The only, the only thing it shared with the original was the name. 
Um, it was it was completely written from scratch. The original version kept on working. I mean, up until Twitter changed their API, um, and it was it was a whole lot better. I, I I think it was worth the money, and I don't know. In hindsight, I think a lot of people agreed with me. I mean, at, at the same time, though, I would have loved to offer you know discount like a discounted upgrade. You know, yeah. I I didn't want to charge full price to people who had bought the previous version. I think they should have been rewarded for being early adopters. Um, but there's there Apple just didn't have a mechanism for that. And I'm 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 blown away that they still don't have a mechanism for that. I think it's safe to say at this point that they probably never will. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know how like what they're thinking. I mean, software is it's it's different than than other stuff. And I'm I'm not saying oh we should go back to the old way software was done. No, I mean we can come up with something new, but we we need to have something that supports this idea that we want to encourage developers to continue to add like value to something that already exists. You know, you, you, like a, a, a song, you don't upgrade a song. Like once the song is done, it's done. But software isn't like that. Software constantly has to change. So how do you, how do you set up like all the incentives such that like, so software keeps getting better? I don't know. I mean, because, you know, Apple appreciate the way that develop that it doesn't stop developers from releasing like Tweety Two as a brand new app. So it's kind of like by not stopping it or giving another method, they're kind of encouraging this as as a way to do things. But it's not very elegant for customers, even. No. So no. and that kind of goes against a lot of what Apple does, and I think that's why people struggle to understand why it is this way. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely not proposing we 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 go back to like the old like shareware or, you know I don't know yeah it's a mess 15 day limited trial yeah yeah we yeah if if any company can find a new way to do it it's Apple yeah so I want to take a, another quick break to talk about our second sponsor and then uh, talk about a couple of things uh, a little bit more about Twitter and, and then Letterpress as well. So our second sponsor for this episode is a new sponsor for the show, and that's HostGator.com. HostGator is a premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running very, very easy. If you're a more advanced user or a business HostGate customer, they can help you take care of your of you with reseller plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime, and no matter your size or needs, 99.9% all the time. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use, but if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to ensure everything is running smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com to learn more, and when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the coupon code CMD9, and you will get 30% off everything at HostGator.com. Thanks to HostGator for the support of the show. So we've mentioned that that you you went to work with Twitter and uh, when they purchased Tweety, mm-hmm. um, sort of everything that encompassed that, and you actually went to work for the company as well. And this was in April two thousand and ten. Was this an easy decision for you to make, or was it one that took a lot of deliberation? Um, no, it, it it definitely took a lot of deliberation. When when they called me up originally, I you know. W- they called me up originally, and you know one of the requirements was that I move out to San Francisco, and I just bought a house in Philadelphia. Um, 
So I basically said no the first time. And then a little, like a few months later, they called me back and it's like, all right, what if, what if we could do it like so that you don't have to come to San Francisco? Um, and then we started like working, like hashing out the real deal. Um, but e- e- even, even then, it, it, was, it was a tough decision. Was there an official iPhone client before this point? I can't even remember. No, no. Tweety became the official iPhone client. Right. See, I, I couldn't remember if they had one that was bad and then they brought in yours, which was good. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the bundle ID of the, of the Twitter app is still com.8bits.tweety2, I think. <laughs> never, never letting it go. <laughs> That's the yeah. heritage. No, you, can, you can't ever change it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you'll always be, you'll have your hooks in there forever. Yeah. Um, what stuff did you work on when you were at Twitter? Uh, I basically worked on the iPhone app, and then we did an iPad app, and then I kind of did a, a Mac app for fun with a with a, a friend at Twitter. Because I remember there was the like you had. Was there a Mac version of Tweety before you moved? Yeah, there, there was Tweety for Mac, and then I was working on Tweety Two for Mac when I went out there, and then Tweety Two for Mac became kind of Twitter for Mac. And you kind of, my understanding, if my memory is correct, you developed that over like a hack day weekend or something. Uh, Tweety, yeah, Tweety Two for Mac was kind of a kind of a hack week project. And you got it out there, and and, and w- aside from I think the iPad app, I'm g- maybe the new Twitter app as well, but I think the Mac app is still based on, on what you made, right? Is that right? Uh, yeah, no, they, they, there have been some changes recently, but it's it's still pretty close. Was there anything, so you worked for, how long were you with Twitter? Uh, about a year and a half. Was there anything specific that made you want to leave or did you just need to change? No, I, I mean, I, 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 really, I love the people at Twitter. I, it was really just a function of I wanted to work on my own stuff again. So the first thing that you, in your own stuff, was Letterpress, which you debuted in October 2012. Um, and Letterpress is a game. Why did you want to make a game this time? Yeah, I, well, I, I didn't. It, it, it actually wasn't even the first thing I worked on after I left Twitter. It was probably the, the, the eighth or the ninth thing. Most, most of the stuff I made is, is never going to see the light of day. But <laughs> Letterpress, Letterpress is a, was an idea my wife and I came up with when we were out to dinner. And we, were, we, 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 kinda, we just wanted a, a game to play with each other. And we were both obsessed with this other game called Spell Tower, which is a fantastic word game. But it wasn't you know, asynchronous multiplayer. It was basically just single player. Um, so I figured, hey, you know, I can, I can write a, a multiplayer word game and we can play it. And that's where it came from. So it's, a, it's a nice little story that it came out of something that you and your wife wanted to do together. Yeah. So how does game development differ from making something like a Twitter client? Um, I, honestly, the one thing I really like about it is I think you have a lot more freedom to do crazy things. You know, with, with, with a Twitter client or any kind of, you know, serious utility, it's, I mean, utility is the most important thing. But with a game, you know, you, you, you can have fun with it on a, on a couple different levels. So, I don't know. I kind of liked it. I don't want to be a game developer forever, though. <laughs> You're not going to make a first-person shooter? No. No, that's, <laughs> that's probably not in the cards. <laughs> so, I mean, one of the things I think that people loved about uh, Letterpress is, like, the, some of the animation stuff and the design stuff that you, that you went with. Did you design all of that yourself? Yeah, every, everything is, was done from scratch. Even, even the UI framework I ended up writing from scratch. And it, as it turns out, there, like, everything, all the graphics are also done completely procedurally. You know, there, there aren't any graphics resources in the app. Like the back arrow is all, everything's drawn in code, basically. Is that your style? Yeah, I, 
it, yeah, I, I kind of like that, you know, where, where everything is defined. There's, there's no arbitrary graphics, just like hanging out in there. So did you have any expectations for how the game would perform on launch? I mean, it, memory serves that it was a very successful launch. Yeah, no, it, it was a crazy good launch. I, I, I really didn't know what to expect at all. One, because I'd never written a game before. Two, because, you know, I'd never released a free app before. You know, Tweety was, was a paid app. Uh, I'd never dealt with in-app purchases. I'd never dealt with Game Center. I'd never dealt with, with any of this stuff. So I, I was going in blind. I like that you did the classy kind of in-app purchase. You know, yeah, thanks. You can play the game, but if you want to have more than... So if you're going to be a power user, basically, and have a bunch of games running at a time, I can't remember what the minimum level is, or you want to change some colors, one time you pay, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, no consumable in-app purchase stuff. You don't buy power gems and coins and... No. And all that rubbish. And also, you killed Game Center. I did. So what happened? I, I don't know. I, I guess there weren't any, ever any heavy users of, of Game Center. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. What, I mean, made, what made Letterpress a heavy user? I, I, like, I think it was just that initial influx of users. It just they, they, it couldn't handle it. Because it uses the um, multiplayer sort of turn-by-turn game... Code yeah, or... Game Center, the, the, the Game Kit APIs are broken into a couple different pieces. And a, a lot of games were using Game Center for, you know, stuff like leaderboards and achievements. And that stuff's relatively easy to run, but I don't think there were, there were any huge games that used it for turn-based games. And, ga- ga- I mean, Game Center is nice because, theoretically, it, it does everything for you. It, like, hosts the game data, it, like, post, like, sends the notifications out, it does everything. But, yeah, I guess it wasn't, wasn't battle-hardened. Did you have any like old buddies from Apple call you and just like like crying at the servers on fire somewhere? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, what's next? I mean, do you have any sort of uh, specific categories of app that you want to look at in the future? Um, yeah, I mean, not necessarily apps. I mean, I, I guess my interests have gone a little bit more broad in the last in the last few years. I'm, I'm, I've been thinking more about you know software and computing in general, um, because it's funny. Every day I wake up and I realize how terrible of a programmer I was yesterday, and all that means is that I'm probably still a terrible programmer today. And I mean, I, I look at the best code out there, and you know, the way we're doing things is still kind of crappy. So I'm 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 curious if there's a there's a way to make making software better. That's interesting. So is, is that what you focus on, making software better? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's what I've been focused on recently, and I know it's it's kind of abstract, but hopefully some concrete stuff will come out of it in the next couple of years. Well, I like the kind of the two ways you can take that, like not just making software better, but also making software better. So right. Like you make it in a better way or you make it all better. I kind of like that. I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be the episode title. I've just stolen that from you. <laughs> um, what about iOS 7? Does it excite you or in, entice you to create something new? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely very inspiring, you know, what, what, what Apple did. I, I, I think they made a lot of great changes at the, at the code level. I mean, I, obviously, I'm, uh, I'm not a fan of some of the stuff. You know, everything's going to be controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like visually, some of the icons I, I don't necessarily agree with, but at at a, at a core level, I think they're going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the 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 design is gonna is gonna make all the headlines, um, but 
or is making all the headlines. But I think it's a lot of a lot of the underpinning stuff. I remember I was in WWE, I was at WWDC, and all of the developers that we were talking about, they didn't care about the way it looked. They were just so excited about some of the underpinning stuff. You know? Yeah, and there's there's some fantastic stuff in there. It's just a shame that well, not a shame because I actually have come to to love iOS seven. Um, it has its foibles, but overall, I do actually really like it. It makes my phone feel new again, which is a nice feeling. Yeah, totally. Um, your over so is your overall feeling about iOS seven good? What about the future of the iOS platforms? Are you positive for them? Oh no, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I mean, it, it, someone pointed out to me, you know. You, do you remember the, the original pin, pinstripes in like uh, OS 10.0? Of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like a lot of this is going to be a, a lot like that. I mean, I, I kind of wish we could skip ahead to iOS 9 so, you know, things were like super sexy um, and we didn't have to look, look at some of the stuff for two years, but I, I, I'm really excited about the, the next couple versions. So, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Um, why don't you tell people where they can keep up with you online? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, 8bits or Lauren B. So you have two. Yeah. <laughs> Just spreading yourself out there a bit. <laughs> so thanks. Seriously, thanks again. I really appreciate it. And if you want to catch up with me online, you can do that. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Um, and you can find the show notes for today's episode over at 5x5.tv slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E slash 62. And I'll be back with you next week. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.